You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 220. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Pontus Böckmann and Annika Harrison. Sziasztok! Hey, Sir Harrison! Hello! Hello! Hey, Annika! That's been a while. Yeah, I think almost a year. <laughs> Welcome back! Have you been on as a guest host before? Uh, no. But you did do a couple of reports for yes. us and recorded a couple of interviews, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which we appreciated very, very much. It was really good yeah, fun yeah. editing them and listening to them. So thank yeah, you. Welcome on board. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, but talking about guest co-hosting. Pontus, you did something like that uh, v- recently. Yes. Didn't you? I have been unfaithful. I was on another show. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I was invited by Richard Saunders to co-host an episode of the excellent podcast, The Skeptic Zone. Then all is forgiven. Yeah, yeah, it was excellent before I joined, I guess. But but no, it was good. It was very good. Mm. Uh, And if uh, people want to check it out, it was on episode uh, 602. 602. He's been around a little bit longer than we have. (laughs) 12 years he's been recording. That's almost three times. Times the time. That's fantastic. So, no, I had a great time. Yeah, and we will, of course, uh, include the the link in the show notes. Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned quite a, quite a few interesting things about what's going on in uh, in Sweden regarding COVID nineteen and everything. So, I do recommend everyone to listen to. It. Yeah, I, I hope that it plays out well for Sweden and uh, what your authorities are planning. Are yeah, gonna be. yeah, we'll see. We we don't know exactly yet. Yeah, but there are other uh, successful attempts, like uh, if you want to disinfect surfaces or probably yourself. Have you had your disinfectant injection yet? Uh, No, No? I'm I'm putting that off a little bit for now. (laughs) Right into the lung. Very healthy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I think the most uplifting part of what you said about sweden and how it's being handled in sweden the the authorities seem to be quite open about the possibility that they might might be mistaken as well Mm. but they know their shit at least they know what they're talking about Mm. and there are countries where where the authorities and the the actual experts are being sidelined and they don't dare correct a stupid idiot in chief Mm. wow i at first i didn't believe it Mm. even from trump i said no that that cannot be true Mm. he's not that stupid but it turns out that he is yeah there's no uh, limit to his stupidity at all (laughs) no apparently not Oh, so what's going on in Germany, Annika? For COVID, we, I think we're doing doing okay-ish. <laughs> Very modest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but we recently had like a um, re-emergence of satanic panic. I don't know if you actually know what satanic panic is. Ooh, not really. Um, shall I give you a rough overview? <laughs> uh, yeah, please do. If, if um... Yeah, yeah, please do. Yeah. Okay, so it's the name of a so-called moral panic um, that started in the US in the 1980s. It's pretty much this conspiracy theory about children being abused by globally by a globally connected satanic sect. 
which is not true. Like, of course, yes, there are. It's very, very sad and very bad that children are being abused, but there's no globally uh, connected satanic sect that is doing that. Hmm. So, what's the, the Catholic Church then? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another segment. We'll come to that. We will come to that. Okay, okay. <laughs> Just a question. Yeah. So the thing is that this has been disproven. Um, Yeah, since the 80s, pretty much, because people immediately started researching. Well, of course, we want to protect children, obviously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, and they found no evidence of a globally connected satanic sect. And the thing is that it's, a, of course, a very complex topic. So uh, I can't really explain the psychological things that are underlying it, but it's connected to um, dissociative identity disorder and false memory syndrome and is like often people who report like satanic ritual abuse under the satanic panic have been traumatized but they usually have been traumatized by their families hmm. so like emotionally physical or um, sexually so they are traumatized mm -hmm. and in the long term it's it's really bad for, even for the like for the people who who had gone through that to keep them in the belief of that there is like a globally um, active satanic sect because It will keep them in their trauma. It will make it something bigger. They will stay in that trauma. They will always be afraid because they will always be the threat mm. um, from outside. And uh, they will also get really dependent on their therapists. And the thing is, in Germany, we had this reemergence again uh, here because some trauma therapists uh, are still buying into that moral panic. So they're still doing that. Mm -hmm. And apparently, um, they even formed a bit of a lobby and got even active tiny bit in in our government so that means they repeatedly confirming that and it's very hard for for um people who suffered through that to get out of it for like just give to give you an idea what's also very hard is that um the therapists are saying that the, um, the satanic sects are using mind control like to remote control people that they would um, kill themselves without any free will if you um, utter certain trigger words Yeah, but if that would be possible, wouldn't other groups like armies or spies use that too? One would think so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And well, th the thing is why I'm telling you all of that <laughs> is that um, several bigger newspapers in Germany now um, published articles or documentaries about this without actually skeptically looking at things and looking at the evidence. Isn't that just the new norm? Maybe. <laughs> Publishing stuff without looking at the evidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> Seems so. And um, it, of course, like influenced the public perception of the topic, which makes it really hard for um, trauma therapists that actually want to help their people to uh, help their clients to, to get through the whole jungle, so to say. Yeah, so it's it's pretty hard, but I would just say if you want to know more, um, I've got a good friend from the German skeptics who is called Lydia Benecke. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, you can always, like the listeners can always write um, to you guys to maybe invite her to the show <laughs> if you want to know more about that. Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. And she also is pretty active on uh, Facebook. Okay. So you can also look at her there. And there's also a pretty good Wikipedia page on satanic ritual abuse if you want to just know more of the psychological background of that all. <laughs> oh, good you mentioned uh, Wikipedia. So I wanted to ask you, what's uh, what's up with uh, guerrilla skepticism on Wikipedia? Yeah, we're being very active. We're still doing very well. We're at now we are thinking about maybe spreading out, like... Um, 
maybe doing more training in other languages, but we're not quite completely sure yet because um, training in English also has its huge benefits. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we're just debating that. We're being uh, very active. Um, we're doing our best in also yeah fighting disinformation with um, with COVID. So. Yeah, we're, we're doing good, I think. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, is the training something that uh, Susan Gerbic does herself to this moment? Yes. Uh, so every new recruit goes through the training with her. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and she's, she's really putting a lot of her time and effort into it. So oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's very honorable. <laughs> she's unbelievable. Yes. So how many, how many German editors have you got? currently um i think german natives one and a half <laughs> one and a half as far as i know there are about a hundred million german speaking people in the world so well we have i think five editors that can edit in german okay um but german natives who are actually like from germany speaking german um are one and a half because we're so like, the others yeah. are like uh, somebody who actually speaks German but not as a native speaker yeah which is still great enough because I couldn't do um, it all on my own <laughs> so it's it's very good that they're that they're doing but um, if you're German and if you're listening to this you are very welcome to join <laughs> yeah or Swedish I mean yeah we need all languages yeah 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 of course everybody join it <laughs> yeah yeah Hungarians as well. How many have you Hungarians have you got? Because I'm I'm not very active at the moment. So do you know any Hungarians that are registered? Not apart from really, me? but I, I know that Susan has like a very wonderful spreadsheet of all of that. So invite her again and she will give you all the overview. <laughs> you know, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, it's actually. been a long time since we had her on. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about time. That yeah. was a, the title of our little tour that we did across Europe, <laughs> in which we nice. met up with you and Scotty, your, your now husband. Yeah, in Frankfurt. <laughs> yeah, in Frankfurt. Good times. <laughs> yeah, small word and good times. Yeah, of course. All right. So uh, there are a lot of things going on, apparently. So do you? does Elizabeth Loftus and her work have uh, just to link back to satanic ritual abuse does she have a good german wikipedia page that's a good question i think she does have a page because i wrote mm -hmm. um like i rewrote the false memory okay. foundation uh, page a bit <laughs> okay so i okay. think she does have a page but i can't really tell if it's so good or not because i just quickly read over it so that's something else to add to my uh, ever-growing list <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, Annika, as it's becoming a thing lately with uh, our guest hosts, uh, you're going to be staying with us for the whole duration of the show. So why don't we start yes. <laughs> the actual show then? We usually start with uh, This Week in Skepticism, presented by Yelena, but Yelena is unfortunately not here today. But we have here with us Anika, who will talk about something that has been circulating on the internet recently. So, what was that? Yeah, so um, there was the claim that um, countries or states led by women are faring better in the COVID-19 crisis, mm. done by... Um, two Forbes articles. 
And um, me being a woman obviously qualifies me to to um, to talk about this topic. <laughs> no, of course not. Yeah, so the author names um, Taiwan, New Zealand, Iceland, Finland, Norway, Denmark and Germany and also later other states as examples of countries where, like, as they say, true leadership can be found. Um, I will just give you a rough overview um, over the article and then tell you why what I think about it skeptically. <laughs> okay, so it was a good thing to do. Yeah, so they say that countries led by female leaders bring something very special into the political arena, which is like um, truth, like Merkel informing with her speech to the public um, pretty much first week of lockdown, or decisiveness like... Um, Jacinda Ardern of New Zealand, who managed a very early lockdown. Um, tech, because Iceland is offering free coronavirus tests um, and is using, using social media. Or love, because the Prime Minister of Norway used a TV show to talk to Norwegian children. And um, the author then says that women generally um, have more empathy and would thus be better in political positions. And she then contrasts these leaders um, that I mentioned before with male leaders like Trump, uh, Bolsonaro, Orban or Putin. Nice list. Yeah. <laughs> and she then, <laughs> yeah, obviously she couldn't pick worse people, so to say. And she concludes then, obviously, uh, that women's uh, leadership would be more beneficial for the world and for the states. She also named eight more leaders in another um, later article, um, the leaders of Singapore, Hong Kong, Ethiopia, for example, or Bolivia. I'm not saying everything here. And she also says that the pandemic seems to show female leadership's talents. So, yeah, my opinion about this is... Um, First, I have to say that I don't like this whole gender-based thing. <laughs> um, I know it's the article is meant to be feminist, but um, in my opinion, is if you assign a certain characteristic to a gender, then you also say, say like it's also way easier to say boys are good at maths or girls are good at language class, and. Um, for me, it's it's such an old narrative, and I would say it's way smarter to tell a kid that they can accomplish things no matter what gender they assign to. And then I also watched another video about it, and I would say, like, what I got out of the video, it's it's very true that, like, for example, I have a lot of anecdotal evidence for empathy and love in men. So <laughs> I wouldn't say that love is really something that only women can do. <laughs> Yeah, And then there are also a lot of countries where um, that are led by men where the leaders were very truthful with what was happening, but apparently it didn't maybe fit into the narrative of the article, so they didn't take that in. And also with the whole situation, there is no perfect response. We all know that there can be like just worse responses than others, <laughs> yeah. but um, it's a very new situation for us, so we don't know what is like the best response. And most democratic leaders are listening to their panel of experts anyways. Well, not enough of them, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> At least not everywhere, yeah. Not everywhere, no. Yeah. But, but um, like, most of them, like, being them female or male, yeah, it's, it's also very important to recognize that if you say somebody is smart, successful, or decisive, or truthful, or whatever positive adjective, because they are women, that's like neither scientific nor true. It's totally buying into the, the gender thing, and it also can totally lead to 
you're a man and you're strong, so you're the born leader. Like, it's the same narrative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just the other side, so to say. And of course, there are problems. Like, of course, there are men who are not truthful, but so are women at times. Like, we are half of the population. <laughs> so, like, even mathematically, some um, some of uh, the women in the whole world have to be unempathetic, not truthful, indecent, because we are all human. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, the mentions leaders that, that I've mentioned in the Forbes article are great, but I would say they're great because they have very diverse characters and they did very, like they, they um, implied very good actions, but not because they're women. Mm. And women aren't born world leaders, but neither are men. <laughs> so this is like, this was my skeptical take on it. Um, I still found the article really interesting. Um, I just thought that it was maybe the whole argumentation was maybe a bit too let's call it cherry picking <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah that, this is what i wanted to say that uh, it's it's a classic example of cherry picking she had a point to make and uh, she tried to find all the examples that supported her original belief but my problems is with this is that it doesn't differentiate we, we need to make a distinction between being a leader with a good response to COVID-19 or being, in general, being a good leader. Yeah. That's, that's two separate questions, first of all. Then, I still don't think that we can make the point that women can be better leaders. But I do think that we do have this issue in the back of our minds that we tend to, as you mentioned as well, that we tend to elect charismatic leaders. And we want that very strong character that appear in front of us. And no, we want to be persuaded. We want to be told what to think. At least some parts of the world, it is definitely the case. So our problem, for example, as a society here in Hungary, is that we didn't have the time to develop the skills to run a democracy. So we always fall for the guy who's the most charismatic. And one of my favorite um, uh, reads was Mistakes Were Made But Not By Me mm. by Elliot Aronson and Carol Tavris. And they specifically tell a lot of stories about how people want to distance themselves from their own mistakes. Then research shows that when mistakes are being owned up, then it builds a certain atmosphere of trust in the leaders. And you, Pontus, you mentioned it several times about the Swedish leadership. Mm, yeah, Mostly a lot of, lot of policies are made based on actual expertise. Then if a mistake is being made, then they own it up and they say, okay, let's, let's try to correct this. And, yeah. and that builds up a certain atmosphere of trust. And uh, I think women could possibly... So I, instead of dismissing this whole notion of uh, women potentially being better leaders offhand, just because it's sexist, just because we say that it's, uh, it's, a, it's a gender issue, I would love to see evidence. Either way, I don't care what the outcome is. I just want to see the evidence, whether we can uh, find a reason why women might be better leaders in general, or what the not necessarily better leaders or more effective leaders, but the leaders that can uh, lead us to 
the 22nd century uh i i don't know i have no idea because i haven't done any research on today in, into that but i would love to see the results of such research yeah. but i do have a problem with the society shying away from asking those questions because it's sexist i hate it when you cannot publish statistics on racial differences about certain aspects of society because it's racist uh, or ethnic differences because it's 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 you being called xenophobic just for mentioning ethnicity it shouldn't be the case so we shouldn't shy away from those questions but obviously what we need to learn is to live with the outcome to accept the outcome without being insulted because our whole world is collapsing because of it so there might not be any reason to elect women instead of men but there might be if there is we should find it find it out that's what i'm saying yeah yeah but you also have to make sure that we don't have a false premise here that we decide that gender is important at all that's right because maybe it is not and i probably think it isn't but, but yeah but the only way to find that out is to do some research yeah you can investigate yeah. that yeah to ask the question whether there is a difference right if there is a difference yeah. then let's see find out what the difference is and why there is a difference. yes but if there is a difference it's a statistical difference and it's it is yes it, it and there will always be exceptions so yeah so it may not even be a, a major factor. But I understand that this kind of reporting is, is a bit difficult because on the one hand, you don't want to overstate it and be very simplistic and say, oh, women are better leaders in times of coronavirus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On, the, on the other hand, since there is this preconception that women are not traditionally seen as world leaders, we shouldn't ignore the fact when some women actually steps up and prove that they are good leaders. Then we should, of course, point to that as well to say, hey, everybody, you said women couldn't be good leaders. This is the proof that that was wrong. So um, you want to be able to talk about it, just as you said, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Andras. But you have to be very nuanced when you do it. And not uh, being too simplistic. Yeah, and I would right. also say, it, like, if it's a good action, then of course that should be applauded. It's very, it's a very good action. Regardless. Regardless, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and also like saying somebody, um, like not saying that somebody is female would also erase their identity a bit. So like you're absolutely right. It shouldn't be ignored. Um, but what I say, it should also be like, wow, you as a woman did that. Like it shouldn't <laughs> <Yes>. be surprised. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, but right. there are obvious differences, right? So we don't have a period. <laughs> what? <laughs> a large difference in our lives. But statistically speaking, we have a difference in brain size. We have a difference in our muscular structure. So those are obvious differences. But there might be some differences that are not that obvious. And we should be able to talk about them. That's what I'm saying. So it doesn't necessarily mean that someone who's a who's a man or who's a woman cannot do this or that. Uh, some people, I know that in Sweden, for example, they can share the maternity leave uh, between the two of them. Yeah, sure. And it's quite a long time that they can share. It's amazing. And some people here in Hungary... It's it's still being frowned upon when people stay home with their children as a man it's not your job come on and it's a stereotypical idiocy why wouldn't they so those are just things that we need to live with but uh, still we need to recognize the differences if there are any so i found it quite interesting to see this article or these these articles and obviously we will share the the links to yeah 
<laughs> the the articles and Rebecca Watson's uh, video as well. Where yeah. I think she makes a good point. She does. All right. Yeah. So thank you very much, Annika. Very welcome. I think it's time for our next segment, which is when Pontus pokes the Pope. Well, I should tell you that uh, Pope Frankie has been fairly quiet lately. But there are some news. Uh, one real thing that he has done is that he donated 10 respirators. Five to Romania and two to a city in Italy and three to hospitals in Madrid. And that's good of him because that's actually a tangible action that can have some real benefits in the world. Did he have to take them away from a couple of cardinals? Uh, <laughs> I haven't checked, but if so, it is probably a good thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But since the, the church is so filthy rich, I, I tend to think he could have done more than that. Why not a hundred respirators oh, yeah. or 200? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. But anyway, well done and credit where credit is due. Otherwise, as I have said a couple of weeks now, Frankie is pretty helpless since it's clear that his religion just doesn't work. I don't really know if any religion works, but his definitely doesn't. All he can do is stay in and pray, pray, pray. And so he has. Over the last week, he has prayed for funeral home workers. He has prayed against malaria, and he feels, uh, which he feels is a neglected problem in the pandemic, and, and perhaps it is. He also has prayed for the EU, which he feels needs that right now. Busy talking to God, and uh, since it seems that God is not listening, <laughs> Frankie has now asked for help. He has done that before, but this time he, he's bringing out the big guns because he wants you to join him in saying two absolutely new prayers that he has written himself. And you're supposed to include them in your so-called rosary prayers throughout the month of May. The rosary is, of course, those little beads that you keep on a string in order to keep track of how many times you, you've said certain prayers because... Uh, apparently God keeps track and he gets pissed off if you miss a few. Now, nowadays, you don't need the beads anymore because you can, of course, just use the app. Just download the eRosary app on your phone and then you can flip through the prayers in no time. And I have it right here and it makes a cute little sound every time you flip the page. So um, listen to this. I don't know. See? It's different. The Hail Marys are a different sound. That's interesting. Uh, <laughs> but that's all that the Catholic Church has to offer these days. Uh, a little app that goes bing. But that ha app has been around for a while. Yes, it's you, been you, a while. You yes. already mentioned that app on, uh, on, uh, on yes, the Yes, I, I did. I did. But uh, it hasn't been in the news for, for a long time. But uh, <laughs> apparently it's used. Yeah. Have you been using it? Uh, just now only just now okay. i'm not big on prayers no. have you been uploading your prayers <laughs> no I, I did once there's a, there's actually a, there was the other app as well the click to pray app mm -hmm. where you can um, well it might be confusing the two so no they're two different so so the e-rosary is instead of a, a rosary band or a rosary string and the, the click to pray is another one in the click to pray it's more like social media you can enter your own prayers and people can like them and pray with you do you think that uh, god he watches the like the number of likes how many come in i, I as everybody i'm sure he counts all the likes he wants to have lots of likes 
works. Uh, I don't know what brand of phone he's using, though, <laughs> but I think this is available both for Android and iPhone. Oh, okay. Or, or there is an order, like like on when you on Twitch, when you when we listen to the the skeptics in the pub online. Yeah, you can vote for the questions. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, my impression is that it's very <laughs> random what people, what God is listening to. <laughs> yeah, probably. There's a reason, Pontus. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason for everything. There's a reason for him not listening. <laughs> for us to understand it. Mm. All right. Yeah. So poor old Frankie. Yep. Never mind. Anyhow, I think it's time for us to move on to the news because there are lots. Annika. What's new in Germany? Well, there are some things that are going on apart from COVID, but there's not much apart from that in the news. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I think it's the same everywhere. Something that would be interesting is that they are planning to, um, like, also, it's a good segue to um, our previous topic, is that church services are planned to open on the 1st of May. Mm. So before schools are actually completely open up <laughs> and it's very controversial um, as like a lot of people that are religious in, in Germany are usually older. And if you put people who are more at risk anyways, you put them all in a room to pray. It's maybe not the best idea. <laughs> yeah, it's not rocket science. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, our chancellor, um, Angela Merkel, is also a bit worried about that. She, she says, yeah, we're still at the beginning of the pandemic we don't know um what will happen so we should still keep everything like keep distance stay at home yeah and as i said apart from that there are not really many news here <laughs> i just realized that she's the leader of the christian democrats yes so how fucked up is that that you need to be worried about people going to church and you are the leader of the christian democrats that is such a difficult situation yeah but we should also remember that that merkel is a scientist yeah 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 that she yeah yes she is also church services and education are um like federally organized in germany so merkel can only say like oh it's not a good idea but the actual like the federal countries decide like bavaria or north Westphalia, they decide mm -hmm. yeah well <laughs> But that's that's the other thing. Does she recommend not going to church? And she, she's yeah, she's a Christian Democrat. <laughs> so never mind. Okay. Well, around the EU, there are other issues. We probably all remember that the time when Donald Trump endorsed the use of chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine mm. as a treatment against the novel coronavirus. Right. Mm. We have also reported that others, like an influential European leader, namely Mr. Macron, had done something just a little bit short of promoting it yeah. by visiting a doctor in Marseille who uses drugs that use this particular active ingredient. The problem with that is that people, if not necessarily in large numbers, will inevitably follow their examples and recommendations. Uh, they are authority figures to many, even though neither Trump nor Macron have anything to do with medical science. So they are definitely not authorities in the matter. If you, we add some wishful thinking, then boom, we have already seen examples of death uh, caused by someone trying to uh, self-medicate with a derivative of chloroquine uh, used to, to clean fish tanks. So it is important for a science-based approach to be outlined and for 
health authorities to provide accurate and reliable information and recommendations regarding what to do in this crisis. And the European Medicines Agency has done just that. Uh, um, they reminded everyone, well, <laughs> probably not everyone, because I'm afraid there might not be too many European citizens who directly follow their website. But the bottom line is that they remind all of us that both chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine are known to have serious side effects, including uh, heart rhythm issues, potential liver and kidney problems, but it can result in hypoglycemia, which is low blood sugar, and it can also damage nerve cells with the potential to cause seizures. This is when they are taken in normal doses. But with some of the currently ongoing uh, clinical trials into their applicability in, tr in uh, treating COVID-19, they use higher than usual doses. And because of that, the side effects are expected to be more serious too. And by usual doses, I mean when used for authorized indications like malaria. Some trials had to be stopped because of these serious problems. And those taking the antibiotic azithromycin are particularly vulnerable, it seems. But why did they use it in the first place if they are so dangerous, you might ask? Well, malaria is super dangerous too. And since it is very effective in killing these little plasmodium cells that cause malaria, a risk versus benefit analysis comes out in favor of giving it a shot. Hmm. Some some autoimmune diseases are also treated with it for, for the same reasons. So the EMA clearly states that both chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine are generally contraindicated as a COVID-19 treatment, as the real benefits have not been shown in any of the trials yet. So there are ongoing trials, but the benefit has not been shown. And at the same time, the risk of adverse side effects is very high. So you should probably just leave it. They also warn healthcare professionals to take all the drugs that are taken regularly by the patients to take into account uh, all of them when making the decision. And most importantly, people should not try to self-medicate with these drugs, is what the EMA says, which could be easy to avoid if we think straight, as chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine are usually prescription drugs in most countries. However, if a GP or other doctor that treats you is not aware of these risks and falls for rumors circulating about these drugs being effective against the virus, we have a problem. And even some regulatory bodies can, can get it wrong at first. Then they try hard to make it right. The Hungarian National Institute of Pharmacy and Nutrition, for example, did support giving them a try back in March when the chief executive of the institute told the press these uh, drugs combined with antibiotics looked promising. That's a silly thing to do about something. He did say that the, there, there are no clinical trials with positive results, but he said that preliminary speaking, it's, it looks promising. It shouldn't have done so. 
then they've been trying to correct that ever since. Mm. Generally, they are instrumental, this institute, in providing good advice on what drugs and supplements to use and avoid. So I do hope they won't make any more mistakes like this going forward. But I certainly welcome the EMA statement, uh, the European Medicines Agency's statement. Don't use chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine to treat COVID-19. Just don't. (laughs) And there's something that I also wanted to add to that because um, I've got a friend who has um, lupus, like also an autoimmune disease. You mentioned that um, the medication is also used to treat autoimmune diseases. And she says because everyone wants that and wants to try it and wants to self-medicate, she has problems getting her medication. Oh, shit. So this is also another outcome that can be very bad for people. Yeah, there's a shortage of it because people are using it for the wrong thing. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I have a news item about social media, especially YouTube. We've heard that Facebook and YouTube and other social media platforms, they say repeatedly that they are combating misinformation and fake things, especially now, of course, in Corona times. Yeah. And I can understand that it's difficult, but it's clear that they're not doing very well at it. Uh, And YouTube is one platform that is failing. One example is a video from the end of March where someone who has now been revealed to be a pastor from Luton poses as a high executive from Vodafone and he tells all about how the 5G conspiracy theory is real and uh, how COVID-19 has nothing to do with the virus but the illness instead is a reaction to the human body in the 5G quote-unquote radiofrequency radiation. Uh, Among other things, he says, they are using coronavirus to try to hide the fact that people are dying from the 5G frequency, end quote. Uh, Many times in the video, he's referred to to as a former Vodafone boss, when in fact he only worked there briefly in 2014, which was before 5G tests were being run, and he left the company pretty quickly. And became a pastor. Well, I think he may have been a pastor before. A lying bastard. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, this video now has been taken down many times by YouTube, but it keeps popping up again on on different channels. It's like a game of whack-a-mole. And it's not just this video. It's not just this guy. Many of our listeners have probably heard of David Icke, Mm -hmm. the absolute bonkers guy who has written books for decades about, among other things how we are in fact controlled by alien lizard people. Uh, He let himself be interviewed on a YouTube channel a couple of weeks ago, where he claimed the same 5G nonsense as before, and he more or less directly urged people to sabotage 5G equipment. And we know that that's also happening now. More on that later. Yeah, Yeah, okay. That particular interview was taken down pretty quickly by YouTube, But on David Icke's own YouTube channel, there are loads of other videos with hundreds of thousands of views claiming the same 5G conspiracy theories, and they're still there. So YouTube may be claiming to not tolerate dangerous misinformation, but in reality, they're not doing a very good job at it at all. Can I give a good recommendation to any German listeners? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, because some of my uh, skeptical friends from the uh, GWUP, they had a, um, a talk exactly about the whole conspiracy about um, 5G. 
and um, it's online. So I'll, I'll give you the link and you, um, Andres may put it in the show notes if you want to. Mm -hmm. It's sure. exactly about this and skeptically like why this can't be and um, what you can tell your uncle about it if he says 5G is the cause of Corona. Well, I admire German skeptics in general. There is no topic that you cannot find someone as an expert <laughs> or, or someone who has dealt with that topic in Germany in uh, among the German skeptics. I love that. Yeah, of course, we will add that to the show notes. Yeah, so um, the UK's government seems to um, have a big controversy about lifting or keeping lockdown in May. Um, but a survey has shown that the majority of the public are actually in support of continuing the lockdown. So there was a 87%, which is pretty like a lot 87 <laughs> yeah. yeah so they, they are all like they're all for being lazy bastards cautious. <laughs> <laughs> well they are not um the survey shows they're not in agreement about if the restrictions are too severe or um too many like if it's too hard or too weak so they're not agreeing about that but they're agreeing that continuing the lockdown for most of may would be would be prudent um which i found really interesting um, some of the people um, that were asked said that the UK should take additional steps because they don't have a travel restriction so far and they don't really have a lot of testing. And they also, um, for the survey, they also said like if that people are very concerned to go outside, to go shopping or going to the pub or something. And they said it's like right now that's very good for the lockdown. It's very good, but it will be bad for the economy later because people will still be afraid to go out, to buy stuff, to be in pubs, to socialize. Mm. Um, so it will be hard to, they say, to restart the whole economy. Um, and what I really found interesting is really these 87% of people who agreed for the lockdown because... Um, well, that means that they, there's a much bigger tolerance and a much bigger support for lockdown in the UK than maybe, for example, in Germany, where we already had some protests against it, where people actually went mm -hmm. on the street demonstrating in a group mm -hmm. <laughs> to demonstrate Correct. against lockdown. So, yeah. yeah, I found that really interesting. And I also found it interesting that they were more in agreement than the actual government. <laughs> <laughs> well, here in Hungary, we don't, we, yeah. we're supposed to be in a restricted going out and, um, and gathering uh, for people kind of phase, not an actual lockdown. So we, we call it restrictions, but um, I had to uh, drive my, my niece this afternoon uh, from her grandparents back to her mother. And I was shocked to see all those cars out on the street, mm. all those people in the in the shops and everywhere. And I found even patisseries, for example, are not supposed to be open. And I found one that was open. <laughs> A cafeteria? It's medically relevant, Andrash. It's medically relevant, yeah. <laughs> so it's not an apothecary, it was a patisserie. So yeah, as I said, medically relevant. <laughs> yeah, it could be, could be. But still, it was weird. So I'm, I'm, I, I have no idea anymore what's going on here in Hungary because I stay inside as much as I can. I only do things like this uh, on occasion. Every second or third day, I go to the shop to, to buy groceries and stuff. Anyhow, let's move a bit more to the east. 
and see what's going on there. Not too long ago, Yalana talked about Lukashenko, mm. the president of Belarus, yep. claiming all he believed was necessary to avoid COVID-19 infection is vodka, sauna and hockey. Well, <laughs> looks like he was either wrong, no. which, is, which is quite likely, let's be honest, <laughs> or simply not enough people took his advice and the abstinent fuckers got themselves sick. In all seriousness, there was a recent visit by WHO experts to, to a COVID-19 ward in the fourth city clinical hospital in Minsk, the capital, and their recommendations are very clear. <laughs> there are problems. So Belarus seems to be in deep shit now, and they recommend that physical distancing, the measures that most countries around the globe have now implemented, and some as we've talked about, uh, are even considering loosening already. It seems to be the only way to slow down the epidemic in the country. Not vodka, not sauna, and not even hockey can do the trick. Right now, their numbers are definitely raising rapidly. But as of today, no serious restrictions have been set up. We also have to give it to the Belarusian government for increasing healthcare capacities and even upping the local production of protective equipment Uh, so they want to be able to provide the equipment for themselves so produce it uh, in large enough quantities so that they can equip everyone the world health organization whose experts were there for three days offered all the technical guidance for the healthcare facilities and national authorities but reminded that the government would have to do their share by showing effective and clear leadership in implementing strong measures, informing the public in all levels, communicating the risks and not downplaying them, and allocating sufficient resources to keeping up with the increase in demand for uh, public services. And I have to say, this is clearly another example of how important the WHO's job is to coordinate this global effort in stopping the virus. Referring back to the funding cuts from the United States. <laughs> Great uh, time. Great time for that. Last week. Yeah. yeah. So they are wow. absolutely instrumental in this whole yeah. effort. Right. Let's take a break for a second from the COVID-19 news and bring some good news from Spain instead. Good idea. If you belong to the Spanish skeptical organization ARPSAPC and you want to investigate paranormal claims, you have a chance now. You may be eligible to win the Sergio Lopez Borgonos Research Scholarship Grant of 300 euros. And you can also win an extra 300 euros if you, your work later is accepted for publication in a scientific or otherwise serious journal. So let me read from the homepage of the ARP SAPC. The objective of this scholarship is to promote the realization and publication of original projects of critical investigation of paranormal and pseudoscientific claims from a scientific and rational point of view or other investigation related to the ideology and objectives of the association. So if you have uh, an idea for a research project, 
you should apply before the 30th of September. The report you produce must be between 50,000 and 70,000 characters long. Oh, wow. And it, it must be ready by the 31st of March next year. So, no, you said, oh, wow, 50,000 to 70,000. I was thinking words first when I read it, <sighs> but that's a novel. Yeah, it but, is. But uh, it's characters, so 50,000 characters long. Okay. But still sizable, of course. It's still sizable, yeah, but... But yeah, they have yeah. time. They yeah, have yeah. almost a year <laughs> to, to, to get them. it done. <laughs> Plenty of time. Sounds exciting. <laughs> mm, yeah. And what was the age range again that they, they aim at? I, I didn't write that down. I think it was for adults. If You, you, you should be above 18. Okay. But this is not a, a project for schools or mm-hmm. so. This is, a, this is for adults. Oh, okay. 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 It's cool. Did you know that I'm a, I live in a country where two-thirds of the population are stupid? <laughs> Ooh, no. <laughs> this is not what I thought of your country. <laughs> but please enlighten us. Yeah, so um, everybody who's German who's listening, please don't kill me. Um, because in a press release shared by Edzer Ernst, it was mentioned that 61% of the Serbic group had an interest in homeopathic remedies against COVID-19. Mm. That is stupid. Yeah. So, but we should take that with a grain of salt. And this is exactly what Edzer Ernst says here. Um, Because what you can actually see in this survey is not that 61% of people say like, yeah, homeopathy against COVID-19. What they're actually saying was, uh, the question was something like, if there would have been a positive experience with coronavirus with homeopathy before and it has been proven to work would you then take it and then they said obviously (laughs) yes No, no, if you can prove that sugar pills work, I, I'm all for yeah, it. Like, yes, of course, I, I would say yes. Yeah. Like, I think it was Stephen Novella who says, like, what's alternative medicine called that's proven to work? Yeah, medicine. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> this is um, pretty much exactly what's happening there. And Edson Ernst points out that it's so important to look at your wording because the media and the newspapers in Germany then reported like 61% belief in homeopathy. Well, but we also know that there can't be a positive experience in the past with homeopathy with with COVID-19 because it's the novel coronavirus. There can't be any evidence of that. So the the whole question is a bit shady, so to say. And and Edison Ernst also really criticizes um, the German Association of Homeopathic Doctors because they would behave unethically, he says. Um, They're promoting homeopathy during a pandemic. Yeah. And they know about their placebo effects and whatnot. Yeah. So um, he says it's it's not a really good action from them. Mm. No. no, it's definitely not. No, it's uh, if something it is irresponsible. Exactly. Yeah, how obvious it is that it doesn't matter how you phrase the question. And yeah. So if people will reply to the question, then. How you interpret the the replies is then up to you. So this is why it's always important to publish the original question as well, yeah. not just the result of the survey. Exactly. Of course. And and guess also guess who who paid for the study? Oh, oh who? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who was it? <laughs> well, the German Association of Homeopathic Doctors. What a surprise! Mm. So they also put the questions <laughs> together, so they wanted yeah. to get the, the exactly. right results. And yeah. they probably also like gave gave a press release to to the media mm-hmm. and that's how the how the, the sentences got picked up and that doesn't like that's why it's so obvious that 61 percent of germans 
it's not that 61% of Germans believe in homeopathy. It's that they would take it if it would work against COVID. <laughs> yeah, of course. If it worked against COVID, I would take it. Yeah. We would all take it. Come we on. We would all take it. We are not stupid. So if something, that survey shows that if we turn it around, then it's even worse. Because that means that only 61% would take it if it worked. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. Which yeah. is terrible. It's terribly low, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to have a bit of a, a larger scope now, having a look at European stuff. As Pontus already mentioned earlier, conspiracy theories linking 5G networks to the spreading of COVID-19 are rampant, and attempts to keep them under control seem to be failing. And... It seems like this craze is spreading almost at an equal pace to that of the novel coronavirus. There seems to be a general belief across Europe that electromagnetic radiations are harmful to humans and the environment, which, to use my favorite English phrase, I think you'll find is a bit more complicated than that. <laughs> I'm not going to go into a lengthy discussion here about why a non-ionizing radiation causing cancer is not very plausible, or how, apart from a possible heating effect, these kinds of radiations are not the accumulating type, and certainly won't explain how the intensity of radiation follows the inverse square law, so it's inversely proportional to the square of the distance from the source. So. At twice the distance, the radiation exposure is one quarter of the original. Thus, it drops like a penny, the intensity of radiation. But no matter how, there has not been any serious adverse health effects directly and undoubtedly linked to mobile communication networks, the belief is there. Unfortunately, the onset of 5G technology and the large-scale installation of the antennas that are required to operate these systems was scheduled all over the European Union to the time that ended up what COVID-19 chose to reach the continent and <laughs> cause a massive chaos. So that's a coincidence, but conspiracy theorists don't believe in coincidence. Of the coincidence. Coincidence! <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. So all we needed to add to all this is a bit of a conspiracy thinking, and there we go. We have a full-blown movement to stop the rollout of these systems. It was a Belgian doctor who came up with this nonsensical idea that COVID-19 is caused by 5G uh, back in January, and since then it has really gained momentum, partly thanks to Russian state media propagating the, this BS. Having a peaceful movement and even a lobby group is one thing, but what seems to be happening in several European countries is way beyond that. And it's somewhat understandable if we think about it. As Deborah so eloquently uh, said last week, people have always been in need of a scapegoat, especially in times of a crisis. So we're going back to the Middle Ages that way, and the real witch hunts that took place because of that, it seems. Yeah, let's go back to the Middle Ages! An April 21st article published by the Associated Press, reports some 50 cases of arson attacks on cell towers in recent weeks in the UK only. 50? 50. Wow. 16 incidents in the Netherlands and reports of towers up in flames in Ireland, Cyprus and Belgium as well. Wow. They mention Facebook posts in an anti-vaccine group getting lots of likes uh, for threatening to continue lighting up those towers. 
So those conspiracy theories really start to fuel each other, apparently, and they scare the hell out of governments and service providers alike. So obviously, this seems to be a successful movement. Even the more peaceful movements have prompted some European leaders to halt or slow the rollout of 5G in some countries, Belgium and Switzerland being a couple of examples. In Switzerland, after several protests in Bern, Zurich and Geneva, some cantons refused to allow the installation of antennas and in February this year, the Financial Times reported that the government, the federal government, decided to issue a moratorium on using the networks because of health concerns by the public. 2,000 antennas had been deployed and were decided to be unused. No matter what the spokesperson from Swisscom, the largest mobile operator, said. The situation appeared somewhat similar in Belgium, where almost exactly a year ago the pilot development project for the new technology was halted and now several Walloon towns seem to have been able to suspend the deployment project due to uh, those very same concerns. And since I mentioned Brussels, we have to talk about a formal appeal to the EU that was written in 2017. Of course, it didn't link the 5G radiation to COVID-19 because it was not there yet. (laughs) But it raised concerns, health concerns about the deployment of the system. And it is coordinated by by an organization called GRS Eco Wireless, a Netherlands-based NGO whose mission is to, quote, improve people's well-being by reducing electromagnetic radiation in the environment. End of quote. Um, there is a word for that that they use, and they, it's it's used to scare the public. It's called electrosmog mm-hmm. that they, they tend to use. And they make the false claim of radio frequency electromagnetic radiation being harmful uh, to, to human health. Talking about this uh, EU formal appeal, as of this month, 353 scientists from different fields have signed the petition, along with the medical doctors expressing their concerns and calling for an independent task force to assess the effects of 5G on public health. So that's sitting on some of the desks of the European Council at the moment. So they seem to be behind the movement, this organization, and I have to say the project seems to be quite successful. Slovenia, Belgium and Switzerland are definitely on board. Uh, the Netherlands is in the state of discussion about it. Italian factions are gaining support in Rome, so Rome might be halting the deployment as well, while German activists are petitioning the federal government to stop the deployment of 5G. And I find this quite depressing to be honest, but not just me. And uh, I'd like to quote someone, who, namely Stephen Powis, uh, medical director of the National Health Service in England, uh, who said in April that, quote, I'm absolutely outraged, absolutely disgusted that people would be taking action against the very, very infrastructure that we need to respond to this health emergency. So if they take down a 5G tower, it doesn't always only take down 5G. It takes down 3G and 4G, which is deployed on the same freaking tower mm. as well. Mm. So that means that your mobile network is down. Imagine someone sitting at home experiencing terrible symptoms of COVID-19, needing medical attention and not being able to pick up the phone and call the ambulance because there's no freaking cell reception. 
That's just irresponsible. It's outrageous. Yeah. And um, I understand health concerns, but this is yet another example of how a misled public can hold a whole nation and even the European Union hostage to their own unfounded beliefs. And it's unacceptable. Uh, it's, uh, it's crazy. I personally, I, I'm thinking, I think 4G is fast enough for all my needs. Uh, do we really need 5G? But that's not the concern here. I mean, if you burn down property, and it's so stupid. No, the, the, the issue is the issue is that there are very few specific studies conducted on whether it's harmful or not uh, for 5G. Other electromagnetic radiations have been tested extensively. And it seems that, so when I, when I say that there is no adverse health effect, I'm not talking out of my ass. So it's really the case. There is something, because of the, they can be very high energy radiation still, it could um, result in heating tissue. But because it's non-ionizing radiation, it doesn't break down tissue. It doesn't break down chemical bonds in DNA. No. So it won't result in mutations. It won't cause cancer. But that's just something that, that a lot of people cannot understand and they, can, they cannot wrap their head around this. Too complicated. It is, yeah. Especially yeah. because like people don't go around hugging 5G towers. So like they're not that close anyways, usually. No. That's a fundamental thing, the, uh, the inverse square law that I, that I mentioned earlier. Mm. Mm. A lot of people don't even know that. Mm. That if you're in, in a large enough distance, then you don't have to worry about it. We have lots of other radiation naturally occurring in, in, in the world. Exactly. That. That's the other thing. Radio frequency is just something that we exploit. It's a natural thing. It's yeah. just We just exploit it yeah. in order to build our, our communication systems on it. Yeah. yeah. All right. So going from one harmless type of towers to another harmless type of towers, <laughs> the Technical Research Center of Finland has conducted and published a study of wind turbines to see if they pose any risk to people living close to them. They have measured and looked at the infrasound generated by the turbines and they have also conducted surveys. Uh, measurements uh, were taken for 308 days both outdoors and in the homes of people who have complained of adverse symptoms. They've also checked whether people who reported ill effects could actually hear the infrasound and if it activated their autonomous nervous systems. And their findings were that nothing indicates any effect on humans at all. They say that this is one of the most thorough studies ever published on the subject, and the only possible effect left is the nocebo effect. And that, of course, is the opposite of the placebo effect, which people have heard more about, I think. So the nocebo effect is when people feel bad only because they believe that they are affected, not because there's actually any harm done. Uh, and of course, people can still be negative against wind turbines if they want to. But just as expected, there seems not to be any real physical health effects on humans. And that's good to know. There could be other effects. But the thing they're talking about of feeling bad and, and having illnesses because of wind turbines, that is nonsense. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Yeah, and the good thing is... Um there's a new book out that pretty much answers both of your topics <laughs> because Ooh, good. because the um, book is titled Why We Believe in BS 
or in originally in Spanish, and I'm sorry for my pronunciation, porque creemos en mierdas, <laughs> um, which literally translates to why we believe in shit. <laughs> and they're just thinking like we have so like our access to information is so easy nowadays. And we are living in a very, um, in a, in times that are scientifically influenced where we have a lot of technology. And he just asked the questions, uh, question, why is it possible that we are still believing in hoaxes and superstitions? And I should also uh, mention that the author is called Ramon Nogueras and, um, they initially wanted to have a book launch event in, um, I think in, in Barcelona, but they, of course they couldn't do it. So mm. they did it live. They, um, they did a bit of a live stream with the author himself and his editor, um, and a journalist. So it was, um, really cool. It's still online and you would need to be a speaker of Spanish to, to understand it, but it seemed to be very interesting. And, um, it reminded me a bit of Holm Hümmler's book, um, Verschwörungsmythen, which is, um, conspiracy myths mm. and which also goes a bit in this direction. So I think, um, Noguera's book is a really great read for every skeptic. So we can only hope it will be translated into English and other languages. And I also thought it was a really smart idea to do a online book launch event, um, because we're, everybody is at home reading or not reading, but we're all reading, uh, we're all <laughs> home. <laughs> so yeah, it was just a very good idea. And, um, I'll be excited for when it may be hopefully sometime comes out in english mm -hmm. mm, very good yeah sounds good and to finish on i'd like to mention a story that is funny to, to some extent it's not all that serious uh it's serious for the elderly lady that it happened to and it's uh reported by Edzard ernst on his uh, blog that the first ever homeopathy induced bone fracture has occurred a bone fracture yes now how did that happen wow i think you should read the whole story it's a lovely little story of two elderly ladies living together and uh they are very frail and uh his uh sister-in-law takes care of them uh occasionally and and they picked up the habit of uh, ordering stuff online and uh, they found homeopathic remedy for their their physical strength they they wanted to regain their physical strength with sugar pills yeah yeah with sugar pills so the little pellets arrives in a in a little tube as uh, it usually is the case with Boiron product and they were so excited that as we shake your hands they tried to grab it and open it up <laughs> all the globally the little pellets started just spreading out and they spilled the entire content of of the globally on the floor and they started picking them up but some of them got stuck under their feet and acted as these riddle roller skates so <laughs> the elderly lady oh who's very lightweight as well she fell to the floor and uh oh. and she she was taken to uh the emergency room and it turns out that uh the diagnosis is rib fracture so it could have been worse so this is why I think it can be somewhat funny because apparently the the lady, even through her very old age, came out of it w with a mild issue. Yeah. It could have been much, much worse. But this is what 
Ezidern skulls a homeopathy-induced rib fracture because it was definitely yeah. induced by... And they say homeopathy has no side effects. Now, listen to this. <laughs> we usually, ourselves, we usually uh, argue that homeopathy doesn't have a direct negative effect or doesn't do any direct harm. Now, we have an example of that not being the case. So, fuck homeopathy and fuck Boiron. Yeah, we were really wrong. And uh, we wish the the elderly lady a, a quick recovery. And uh, of course, of course, and some real medicine and real medicine yeah. if needed. It's it's pretty good that uh, she's in a good shape. And thanks to Edzadurns for sharing the story. <laughs> All right, but we are moving on now to the last segment, which is when we find out who's been really wrong lately. All right, so in March, the UK Ministry of Defence doubled the number of troops dedicated to civil emergency from the usual 10,000 to 20,000. Normally, they have this force in place to be prepared to assist the police in case of civil unrest. And the increase was, of course, due to the pandemic, and it's also to support the NHS, the National Health Service. One question that the Ministry of Defence had been worried about since then is how to protect these troops from getting COVID-19 themselves if they are working close to the NHS and to patients who have the disease. That's a reasonable concern to have. What is not reasonable is to spend money on a thing just because you want to show that you're doing something. There is no logic at all in buying huge quantities of lemon eucalyptus oil extract for the troops (laughs) because of the pandemic. Ridiculous. Why did they buy this? Well, this substance has been acquired for the troops to be used as insect repellent just in case if the virus is transmitted via mosquitoes. (laughs) And there's been no documented case about this. It's never even been suggested. Uh, uh, Absolute nonsense. So applying a fix for a not a problem is not a fix, in my opinion. Complete waste of public money and perhaps even worse, and this is why I talk about it. It now risks getting into the public mind that you have to be afraid of mosquito bites as a way of getting infected. Uh, And I'm sure uh, that these manufacturers of this citriodiol uh, will now push the idea that you should use it due to the pandemic. I I think an even worse effect is that people will try to use it as COVID-19 protection and they they will have the yeah, false... Yeah, they will inject it maybe. Yes. They will have the, the false <laughs> sense of protection and they will probably act more irresponsibly yeah. uh, as a result. So it's absolutely irresponsible to do that. It's also that a lot of alternative people are actually propagating the idea that ethereal oils are antiviral. So they are saying, just like put it in your masks and you won't get COVID. Uh, yeah. So it's also going in the same direction. Exactly, exactly. And I think if you are a public anything, an authority, an institution or something, you have to be very, very careful yeah. what you're doing because what you're doing 
is taken by the public as an endorsement of exactly. whatever nonsense you're doing. So, exactly. Yeah. So uh, stupid. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, mosquitoes do not spread the virus, and uh, don't use insect repellent against it. Good advice. Yeah. So for both spending public funding on mosquito repellent for no good reason, and because that also spreads nonsense misinformation. The UK Ministry of Defence gets today's prize for being really wrong. Again, well deserved. Thank you very much, Pontus, for sharing the story with us. Thank you. And handing out the, the award. <laughs> Anyhow, I think that concludes our show. Mm-hmm. But before we go, I'd like to share a um, quote with you. And it goes, It is not knowledge, but the act of learning, not possession, but the act of getting there, which grants the greatest enjoyment. And it was a mathematician, an astronomer, and physicist from Germany, who was born on the 30th of April, 1777. Quite a while ago. Do you know who that was, Annika? Um, Let me guess. I didn't look at the script. No, (laughs) I would say it was Gauss. (laughs) Gauss. Carl Friedrich Gauss. Yes. <laughs> yes, and uh, he he will have his birthday on the day of the the uh, release of this episode. So uh, he could have been our uh, this week in skepticism hero, sure. but uh, he wasn't. Never mind. I think uh, if uh, his name sounds familiar, Gauss's name, he's mostly well known for uh, coming up with a couple of mathematical laws and uh, interesting uh, calculations. Uh, the normal distribution is basically named after him ah. in uh, probability theory. Mm. So it's called the Gauss or Gaussian distribution as well. All right. But that means that we are at the end of the show. I'd like to thank both of you, okay. Pontus and Annika, and especially you, Annika, for joining us. This has been fun. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Come again. <laughs> I think this was not the last time that, that uh, we had you on the show, if if you're available. I will be. <laughs> we were lucky this time, obviously, because you don't, don't, don't have to be busy with all those pff, buggers, the children. <laughs> But um, yeah, thanks for joining us. And many thanks to our listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Paka paka. Very well. Say it like you say it at home. <laughs> Tschüss. <laughs> this lad. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Rubb and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast.eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe
an independent. <laughs> 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 it's gonna be a long night. <laughs> an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> They've also checked uh, whether people who reported ill effects could... Ill effects... Ah. Yeah, it's contagious, apparently. Me too. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. How many awards have you handed out so far? I, I don't know. I don't, I'm too lazy to do the maths. Yeah. Maybe about 200. <laughs> about 200. Yeah, yeah, I'd say about Should 200. <laughs> yeah. The <All> right. bicentennial <laughs> award giver. <laughs> award giver. That is right. <laughs> okay. Many thanks to our listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing that. Please keep... <laughs> Please end the show now. <laughs> <laughs>